best advice is to be patient and to be curious and to not judge yourself on others' progression through their career. You just need to be yourself and to really follow your passions and interests because that will drive your paycheck in the end. We recognize genius wherever it exists. And if you're known by the company you keep, we are proud to not only spotlight the women that are part of Rockefeller Capital Management's unique network, but also welcome our brilliant audience members. Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Sario, Southeast Divisional Director of the Rockefeller Global Family Office, and welcome back to Genius Loves Company. Everyone has a story to tell, and we're excited to hear those from some of Rockefeller's top advisors, investors, and senior leaders about the life and career experiences that got them here and the insights they've gained. With me today is Jana Devine, a private advisor in the Newport Beach, California Office of the Global Family Office. Jana is highly respected inside the firm and outside in her community with 16 years of investment and financial planning experience. Before joining Rockefeller nearly three years ago, she worked at UBS and ACO, a Goldman Sachs company. She's a graduate of the University of San Diego and earned her law degree at Chapman University. Jana was named to the 2024 Top Women Wealth Advisor Best in State list by Forbes. She splits her time between Newport Beach and Park City with her dogs, Betty and Bruce, and spends free time with family, friends, exercising, hiking, and an awful lot of skiing, as I understand, but we'll get into that later. So tell me about your background. I want to hear from as early as you want where you were born, where did you grow up, and tell me a little bit about your family life. Thanks, Kristen. So I was born and raised in Southern California in a little city called Yorba Linda, the land of gracious living, where Richard Nixon was born and raised as well. And I had such a phenomenal childhood. I'm the oldest of four. We range from 48 to 44. We had just such a close-knit family. My mom really didn't let us watch a lot of TV. We were always outside playing, swimming, camping. It was just a magical childhood. So something else I picked up on, you said Southern California. It sounds like you're definitely a California girl, but I do know that you ventured to the Northeast to begin college, and then you changed your mind. No more Northeast. So what happened? I had a romantic idea of following my dad's footsteps and going to Penn State University. And then it was the coldest winter I had ever experienced with a ton of snow. After three semesters there, I was enticed to go back to Southern California and started at University of San Diego. It was a fantastic switch for me going from a really large college to a very, very small college and was the better place for my future. So was it more about the weather or was it more about going from a big school to a small school? I think it's going to be more the latter and being closer to my family. It was the first time I was going to be so far away from everyone. And that's a really jarring experience. I have one daughter that just went off to college and another that's not too far away. And I think I may need to share your advice to stay close to home (laughs) (laughs) so they don't have that jarring experience of being away. But no, whatever they want to do, I will completely support. So you got a law degree, but you ended up in financial services. Tell me how that came about. 
as I was working for my dad's company for about five or six years, I knew I wanted to get in a higher education. And funny enough, I grabbed one of his Fortune magazines and at the back cover, they actually listed the educational backgrounds of many CEOs. And more often than not, they had a law degree versus an MBA. So I decided that's what I was gonna do. I remember going my first day to the registrar saying, I really don't need a lot of these classes because I just wanna do tax law. And they looked at me like I was little nuts, but long story short, you know, that's how I ended up in law school. My desire was to work for the IRS, funny enough. They weren't hiring when I graduated after passing the bar and was enticed to go into financial services because I like people and I like helping them. You just said two things that I'm still trying to absorb. You said, I just want to do tax law. That's not something I hear every day. And then you said IRS. I don't know. Did you get lucky? What turned your attention to wealth management as a first job when your plans for the IRS did not pan out? Yeah, that was a little shocking to me because that was really my plan A, B, and C. So after finding out that they weren't hiring and wouldn't be for a number of years, I had a friend tell me that my gift was really people and helping people. So it was kind of a natural flow in to wealth management, to being able to really focus on families, focus on their struggles and their challenges, and help accentuate all the hard work that they had and what they had accomplished. Let's go back a few steps. So long before getting into wealth management, your first memory about money, what was it and what was its role in your life? I was one of those lucky kids that had an allowance program within our family. And my dad and mom always made us use the envelope system. So I think we got $20 at the time. And $5 had to go into savings, $5 had to go into spending, $4 had to go into this and that. That was a fantastic budgeting experience at a very young age. But beyond that, my dad used to hire us for odd jobs. And he worked for a company that did bulk mailing. I don't even know if the audience will remember what this is, but we had to stuff envelopes and seal them. And I think we got 25 cents for every 50 or 100 envelopes we completed, plus a lot of uh, paper cuts on the tongue. But that was a fantastic experience because you got to accomplish something, you got paid for it, you saw what you were producing. And at the time it was really important. So I can relate because I grew up with my dad doing a lot of that as well. I stuffed more envelopes than you can even imagine. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that I actually had my kids do it as well. <laughs> but you're right. I don't know that many people would remember the days of bulk mailings and how we used to grow our business. Things have certainly changed, but I they can relate have. to the paper clips and the boxes of envelopes and the number of letters that I folded and getting it right. You've certainly stepped up in a very big direction from your days of bulk mailings. <laughs> so now you advise high net worth clients, their families, their businesses, and you're part of a team. So tell us about your team and what your average day looks like at Rockefeller. I'm part of a five-person team. There's two senior advisors, one junior advisor, and two phenomenal support staff. I always say they are really the ones running the show, and I'm just the talking puppet out there, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> but a, a typical day really 
is atypical because when you work with families, you can get a call about my son wants to buy a car or my daughter just ran into our house or how do I fund my next grandchild's education? So there really isn't a typical day, which makes it a lot of fun. So I would argue talking puppet to (laughs) actually being the leading lady along with the rest of your incredible leading roles on your team. So after 16 years elsewhere, what drew you and your team to Rockefeller? You know, I'm going to have to say it was the people and the mission. I had experienced two other firms, vastly different, and I really missed the smaller firm experience that was focused on truly helping families. They want to be quick and nimble. They want to offer unique products and services, but they also encourage teams and advisors to do what they know is best for the client, whether that's on their hit list of things to accomplish that year or not. I would agree completely. So tell me, what's the best financial advice you've ever received? And I would say even more importantly, who gave it to you? The best financial advice I have ever received is be patient, be wise and thoughtful with your money. It takes a lot of time, dedication to earn a dollar. And, you know, I learned this from my mom. My mom is such a savvy, dedicated homemaker, and she's not compensated financially for all of the work that she does. That's usually a 24-hour job. So seeing that, it's a privilege to go to work every day. It's a privilege to earn a paycheck and help other families. And, you know, I have to owe it all to her. I think those in our lives that are non-financially compensated individual are often one of the biggest reasons people like you and I can do what we do every day. I think they give us a great foundation and great support. And the fact that we're talking about both is meaningful because I really don't think that one can go without the other. So hundred percent. I'm glad you bring that up and that sage advice. Absolutely. So you are known for being highly devoted. I would say, if not fanatical, about spending personal time with your clients. So tell us about that. Tell us why and how you do it. I really like my clients and I really don't think of the workday as nine to five. It's an honor to work with people and their money. It's something that I think they should be able to get a hold of me 24 hours a day. I'm sure other people don't agree with that, but I'll go to great lengths. I had a 90-year-old client who wanted to go back to Kansas and was afraid to fly alone. So I bought a ticket and accompanied her to a family reunion. And that was one of the most meaningful business trips I ever took. I had another client that I just couldn't get on her calendar to save my life. So I bought the plane seat next to her and we had a four hour meeting flying from Southern California to Chicago. I guess I'm just not afraid to say yes or think out of the box when it comes to servicing my clients. And there's nothing I would love more than someone to sit and talk to on a four hour flight. So I may need to hit you up for some company (laughs) one of these days. So let's talk about young people starting out their career. What advice would you give them? I think the best advice is to be patient and to be curious and to not judge yourself on others' progression through their career. 
you just need to be yourself and to really follow your passions and interests because that will drive your paycheck in the end. Uh, if you love what you do, it's really easy to do it every day. It's the being patient part that's hard. It for is. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Great advice. It's the hard part for this new generation. It is. You know? So tell me what is, in your opinion, the biggest change you've seen in the industry since you began your career 16 years ago? And then I'd love to know, do you think that change has been positive or is it negative? I think it's both. I think it's positive and negative. And I think the biggest change is the 24-hour in-your-face news cycle. We never get a break from it. You know, years and years ago, you had to wait overnight for the morning newspaper to see what happened. And it gave your brain a rest and it gave your emotions a rest. And now news comes at us so fast and it's highly dramatic. It's highly emotional. And we don't have a lot of that downtime to just breathe and think thoughtfully through what is coming at us. I have to admit, I do miss that brain break. I do miss going to bed without so much on my mind. And you're right. It is coming at us, especially with kids so fast and Absolutely. social media. And it is a lot, but I think it also speaks to the power of advice and getting some guidance through all of the weeds and forest of information coming at us. So given the environment, especially this environment of a lot of information coming at us, what are you hearing from clients? What worries them? You know, clients are worried about how to transfer not only their valuables, but their values. I actually heard that from a colleague at Rockefeller and it really resonated with me. I think they're worried about providing enough to support their family, but not providing too much that it disinterests them from being active, productive members of society. So it's striking that balance that can be really challenging for them. I can relate to that. I've never actually heard you know, values versus valuables, but uh, that is a thought that I will spend more time on, especially as it relates to my own kids. Absolutely. So values versus valuables and how we pass those along generation after generation. Can you share a personal high point or two about your time in the business? Yeah, I'd love to. Recently, I got involved with mentoring. Uh, Rockefeller has a fantastic program for all of its employees. And I decided to not only be a mentor, but I'm a mentee. And it is truly my favorite thing that I have started participating in in a long time. I love being able to talk to people in different departments, different age groups, different experiences. It's such a thoughtful, honest conversation that we have. And I've just learned so much from everyone, whether they've been at Rockefeller for five months or five years. I imagine that even when you're the mentor, at least from my experience, you gain just as much, if not more, from the mentees. Probably more. I'm an old timer and, and working with some of the younger people and their great ideas, their question of why, why do you do it this way? It makes me pause and ask myself, why am I doing it this way? So I love that. I love that they're curious about how my methods came to be. And I'm challenging myself to expand those experiences going forward. Not always easy, though. I'll be the first to admit, not always easy to change the way we do things. But you're right. I think seeing it from a new lens is really helpful. And I have that same experience when mentoring. So I always love to ask, what do you do when you're not working? And I know you work a lot. 
I know you fly a lot, but I know you have a whole list of hobbies and fun facts. So we'd love to hear some of those. So my client Meg would be remiss if I didn't say I try to ski as much as I can <laughs> during the winter. So even if it's getting out for a lunchtime, you know, run or two, I try to make that happen. I love to train my dogs. I like to exercise. I like to hike. I'm kind of an old fashioned person at heart. I love to embroider. So I do a lot of sewing, which people stop me on planes and always remind me that that's something their grandmother was doing. <laughs> but, As a compliment, I yeah, have no I, doubt. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I like to read. You know, again, I go back to this whole living a full, meaningful life. And I think part of that is just being curious. And it's never too late to learn something new. I'm happy to hear there's another way to ski, which is a couple hours every day, like as a lunch break. So there's hope. There's hope. <laughs> so my favorite question and I can't wait to hear this, 10 o'clock, Saturday morning. Where are you typically? So I've probably been up four or five hours. I've walked my dogs. I've tidied the house. I've done my wordle. I've probably read a couple of headlines. So I'm probably at 10 a.m. sitting down to take a breath and have that second cup of coffee. So somehow I didn't imagine that you were going to say I'd be sleeping in and I'd still be sleeping. <laughs> Although you could have shocked me completely if you said that. But what I am excited to have heard you say is that with the amount of time that you work and your commitment to your clients, to your family, to what you do, that you actually take a moment to take a deep breath. And even better, you take another moment to have a second cup of coffee. So <laughs> I look forward to sharing one of those cups of coffee with you someday. Jana, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Kristen. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Genius Loves Company. To learn more about Rockefeller Capital Management, visit rockco.com or keep up with us on LinkedIn or Instagram. This material was prepared by Rockefeller Capital Management. The views expressed of the hosts and guests in this episode are as of a particular point in time and are subject to change without notice. The views expressed by the speakers are solely their own and may differ from or conflict with those of other divisions in Rockefeller Capital Management. This information was provided for illustrative and educational purposes only. It should not be construed as an investment recommendation, investment advice, and offer of Rockefeller or investment advisory or brokerage services or a projection or illustration of the performance of any particular investment or strategy offered by Rockefeller. Forward-looking statements, including those presented herein, are inherently uncertain, as future events may differ materially from those reflected, and past performance is not a guarantee of future performance.